Life Audio. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? Or have you been in a season where it feels like He's completely silent? Have you been praying for a way to learn how to hear His voice more clearly? Hey friends, I'm Rachel, host of the Hearing Jesus Podcast. If you are ready to grow in your faith and to confidently step into your identity in Christ, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today, we are walking through Matthew chapter 6. If you're just joining the show, every day we've been doing a devotional reading of one of the chapters in the book of Matthew, and we're slowly making through our way through the Gospels. And we're doing this a little bit at a time, just to make it clear. Somebody asked me the other day for a reading plan. I honestly don't have a reading plan. I want to be really spirit-led with this. Honestly, I I thought we were going to get through a lot more of this chapter today, but we're only going to be in two verses. And I think that's the better way to do it. I could say to you, yeah, we're going to do Matthew chapter 6 today and Matthew chapter 7 tomorrow. But then I think the pressure would be to just keep going. And if you know me, if you've followed along with this ministry, my heart is really to meditate on God's Word and to have a good understanding before we move on. And so I can say that we're in Matthew chapter 6 today, verses 1 and 2, which means we'll be starting in verse 3 tomorrow. But I want to be really spirit-led as we work our way through and not be stuck with these prescribed plans. And so I hope that you are okay with that. If not, you can feel free to read ahead a little bit. Some of the content might just be repetitive for you. So I'm reading out of the New American Standard Version of the Bible today, and I'm reading verses 1 and 2 from Matthew chapter 6. It says, Take care not to practice your righteousness in the sight of people, to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, so that they will be praised by people. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your charitable giving will be in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, perhaps you think that maybe I am wrong for only pausing on these two verses right here, but I think there's a lot packed in here that I want to make sure that we understand and we have a good understanding of the perspective and the lens that Jesus is teaching from and also the way that the disciples are hearing these teachings. The first thing I want to bring up is this idea of the reward. So in that culture, and remember, this is an agricultural society. This is the first century Jewish culture that he's he's speaking to. And yes, they were Christians, but they were also Jews. And in that culture, there were various groups that would teach on different things within their community. And so in general, the Jewish people at the time referenced this list of virtues that they had as like this guiding principle for the way that they lived their lives. And so it was a list of virtues and vices. And then there was some corresponding rewards and punishments that were both in the present world and then also promised in the afterlife. So for an example, perhaps the reward for walking in obedience to the covenant was what they would call a visitation of God's blessing. There's a text I want to read from. It's called the Qumran Rule of Community. And this was really common at that time frame. And if you remember, we talked about the Qumran community when we were 
talking about John the Baptist. So you can go back a couple of days and listen to that podcast if you don't know what I'm talking about. But the Qumrans were a group that were living in the wilderness of the time and they were very strict in some of their behavior patterns. But this rule of the community was shared there and it was really common to some of the other rules that these other groups at the time would be practicing. So one of the things that they said was the visitation of those who walk in it for rule, and they're talking about obedience, not obedience to the covenant. The visitation of those who walk in it will be for healing, plentiful peace in a long life, fruitful offspring, and with everlasting blessings, eternal enjoyment with the endless life, and a crown of glory with majestic raiment and eternal light. So essentially what this saying is, and this was common to the way that they were living their lives, where if you lived in obedience to the covenant, then you would get all these blessings, the plentiful peace, the healing, a long life, fruitful offspring, everlasting blessings, eternal enjoyment, endless life, crown of glory, majestic raiment, eternal light. And so it was this list of not just these kinds of things, but all across the board, all different things that there was either going to be blessings for or there would be punishments for. So that train of thought was embedded into the culture and most of Judaism believed that way during the time of Jesus. So what Jesus was doing here was explaining to them that the kind of obedience that was birthed in legalism was different than the kind of obedience that started in the heart because he was after obedience in the heart. Obedience in the heart was a result of this pure righteousness that has an audience of one because it's birthed out of this desire to do what God says to do out of that relationship. And so for people that are doing it out of a legalism or for show, he's saying they're not guaranteed any sort of reward because their motive is the show and the payoff is what they're going to get from that show, that attention and that honor. The payoff is no longer glory to God and honor to God. Instead, they're getting the reward right now. It's not going to be an eventual reward that they think they're getting. And, you know, this really made me think about something that's been going on in our culture recently. If you have followed along with our website or some of our socials, you'll know that one of the things that we did last month was we showcased some of the things that have been going on in Maui. And I have personal connections to some churches on the island of Maui, and it was just heartbreaking to see what had come out of the tragedy of the fires that they've been experiencing, and they're still experiencing. And so, you know, most of us know, unless you've been sleeping under a rock, that there are several celebrities that have been very public about trying to raise funds. And they've been all over socials. They've been all over the news. They've been all over trying to raise these funds. And I think about this in terms of the way that that has been done to gain maybe some honor or some, you know, guess maybe there's going to be some money given, but it's really been done in a way to get honor for themselves. Like, look how great these people they are giving this money. The other side of that is there are several churches that I know of that have not blown their trumpets. They have not been, you know, publicly saying, give us money so we can give money. It's not been a public thing at all. Instead, you know, there are business owners I know that have closed their businesses down and taken all of their boats and their boats are now only used to transport water and food and supplies to people in that part of the island that can't get it. And they've done this very quietly. It has not been showcased for anybody to know. People that they know are welcome to give money towards these efforts, but they're just doing it. There's no public outcry to say, hey, look at us, look what we're doing. And I I keep thinking about that. And as I was observing all this happening, 
and praying for the blessing of these companies that are doing this, I kept thinking about how contrast that was with some of the celebrities that have been trying to do it. And I understand that there's an element of platform that could get money for these organizations. But I think in some ways, it is a clear example of what it looks like to be doing something with perhaps the wrong motives. Just some food for thought there. And then I want to point out, again, what goes to talk about this concept in verse two, it talks about do not announce it with trumpets. And so there's a couple things going on there. Some scholars would suggest a literal trumpet is in mind because they would use trumpets, the ram's horn, to call people to a fast or when there was a significant large gift given to the temple or to somebody that needed it, there would be literal ram's horns, trumpets that would be blown. So that is likely part of what, what he's thinking about there. There's also this idea of what was called the shofar chests, which were these trumpet-shaped money chests that were put outside the temple and they were used for collecting alms. And when you would throw your coin in there, you'd hear this sound because it was almost like a trumpet shape. It would elevate the sound. And it could be that he was talking about that because when when you threw your, your coins into there, everybody would see it, they would hear it. So if you just act like you're throwing something in there, you know, there would be no noise. And so it brought attention to you. But more than likely, what Jesus is doing is he's talking about irony here. And remember yesterday we talked about hyperbole and there's these different elements that the, the gospel writers and Jesus would use to make their points. In our day and age, that metaphor that Jesus would have been talking about is basically the same thing as tooting your own horn. And I think that probably makes the most sense here. And perhaps there's elements and there's layers here, but it's this idea of don't toot your own horn when you're giving something because the honor and the attention should be going to God. In verse two, it also talks about the hypocrites. And it says, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. That term hypocrite, it was originally used for the actors on the Greek stage who would put on these various masks and they would play these different roles. And so they would play one role. Perhaps they would even be playing a woman and they were a man. And so that's where that term hypocrite comes from. But the modern usage usually designates a hypocrite as someone who says one thing and then lives a different way. But the religious leaders at the time are being called out by Jesus because there's a particular form of hypocrisy that he's talking about. See, they were carrying out these external acts of righteousness that they were masking really even from themselves, their own inner heart, their own inner corruption of their hearts. And so their hypocrisy, especially here when it comes to these kinds of things, is they were doing the right things for the wrong reasons. And I don't know if that hits you the way it hits me, but I think there have definitely been times in my life where I was doing the right things for the wrong reasons. I was doing the things that the world or the church would expect me to do, but I was doing it to build my own self-esteem or my own honor instead of allowing that honor to go to God. And so I think we need to be really careful here, even when we are doing things that are for good reason, whether it is serving or we're giving to the poor, what is the motivation there? What does our heart say? Is this out of an overflow, out of obedience to the Lord? Or is this so we can get some glory and some honor for ourselves? And so just be careful when you're doing those kinds of things, because we don't want to steal the attention and the honor from God.
And then the last thing I want to point out in verse two, and I think this is something that is really God has shown me over the years over and over. It says when you give to the needy. See, the assumption is that they will give to the needy. It's not even saying you should give to the needy. It's when you give to the needy. And I wonder if we recognize that today. See, poverty was widespread then, It just like it is now. It was an agrarian society. There's a lot of poverty and it was a class system and it was just a normal part of their culture that there would be people that were living in poverty. And while we see some of that in the in the States, I have the privilege of, of traveling to some of the most vulnerable places in the world. And if you were interested on in going on a trip with us, you can find more about that at our website. But that idea of poverty and providing for the poor was really started back in the Old Testament, specifically in Deuteronomy. And as believers, it is an obligation that we have to give to the poor. And Israel took that seriously. Now, we've been talking about the value of the Old Testament and how Jesus valued the Old Testament as still valid for today. So if you have that argument of, well, that was Old Testament teaching, we don't live under the law, we live under grace, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the last couple of days because if Jesus calls us to live according to the heart of the law that is still valid, we have to recognize its validity in our own lives. And so I think about this in terms of some of the poverty I've seen across the world. And I know that I am not alone with some of the other believers I've traveled with, with other leaders, where there's this echo of, man, why doesn't God do something about this? When you see some of the brokenness of poverty, you think, man, okay, God, you could intervene. Let me tell you that poverty has been planned for in God's plan. It's us that get it wrong. See, there are over 2,300 verses in scripture that encourage us to respond to the poor as believers. And many are directly connected to this principle of tithing. There's a couple things I want to point out. First, in scripture, one third of the tithe was to be given to the marginalized, considered a tithe of the tithe. And we've talked about that before on the show. One third of the tithe should be given to the marginalized and the poor. And I think about this, does the American church, now I'm just talking about the American church right now, but does the American church give away a third of their tithe to the poor? Many churches don't, if I'm quite honest. Many churches do not. So that is the first principle. The second principle is that the way that they would call out spiritual leaders in that culture, they were to be numbered among the poor and they were to be taken care of from the same funds that were gathered to take care of the poor, that tithe of the tithe. And so that's an indication that God wanted his spiritual leaders to be in close proximity to the poor. You know, there's a mentor that I have, a pastor from New York City, and he always says, you know, the shepherd should smell like sheep. And it's not that God expects us as spiritual leaders to live in poverty, but he does expect us to be around those that are poor because there's something special that happens when we see with our own eyes the things that God sees and the things that break his heart also break ours. We're not going to be so resistant to giving to the poor when we know what it looks like to be poor. The third point I want to make here is that the tithe of the tithe, the tithe to those that are in poverty, comes with a promise in Deuteronomy chapter 26 that a person's work will be blessed. The other forms of tithe do not have that kind of promise. And so we find this command to tithe into poverty repeated over and over again in Deuteronomy. And we recognize that God had a tithing plan for the poor. 
that is actually very effective. It's, it's a very effective solution if we were to be obedient to it. I want to just give you some data real quick, and then we're going to go ahead and reread this, this chapter. But in the American church, okay, I'm just talking about American church. If all churchgoers tithe, Right now, only about 2% of people that consider themselves regular churchgoers, only about 2% of those people are tithing. Again, this is just the American church. If all churchgoers tithed, it would be an increase of what we receive right now on an annual basis of $168 billion. The price tag for alleviating the world's poverty, according to World Vision right now, is $65 billion per year. So the increase of the tithe, just being obedient to what God has already told us to do is more than enough to solve the world's poverty three times over. And so if the American church followed God's plan for tithing into poverty, the world of poverty could be eliminated and not to mention what we could accomplish if we were talking about the global church. I'm just talking about the American church. The funding for poverty has already been built into God's plan, yet we are not obedient to God's plan and we see the impact of that. And, you know, I think every time I go on a mission trip with somebody and somebody says something about this, I will ask them very real questions when they are grieved in their spirit by what they're seeing. I will say to them, you know, how did you get to this trip here? And many of them say, well, I fundraised or I, you know, I just used my bonus from work or whatever it is. And they would pay and they would get to this trip. And I'm not saying this to to guilt anybody, but many of those same people, I will ask them, how much did you tithe this past year? I can't tell you how many of them say, well, you know, tithing, I'll give here and there, but tithing isn't a regular part of my spiritual rhythm. And I would say that you have no business going on a mission trip if you are not regularly tithing. And we can get into tithing a different time. And I'm not even tithing. Tithe doesn't come to me. So I'm not, this is, I'm not making anything off of this. I am saying that it is God's mandate that when we are blessed financially or with our crops or whatever it is, our time, our energy, our effort, we are permitted to keep 90% of that. But that last 10% belongs to God. Actually, I would argue it's the first 10% that goes to God. But when people go on a mission trip and they're brokenhearted for the impoverished, but they are not tithing, they're part of the problem. And so I'm going to reread verses one and two, and I hope that you can take to heart some of those things that I've explained and remember that when you read these passages, read what's in Jesus's heart when he says this, Matthew six, verses one and two, take care not to practice your righteousness in the sight of people to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets so that they will be praised by people. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your charitable giving will be in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Father God, I thank you for your heart, for those that are marginalized and impoverished and and are living in situations that is not your heart for them. God, I pray that you would burden our hearts for the things that burden yours. God, this message of when you give to the poor. God, help us to take that seriously. Help us to take the 2,300 verses that you give us in the scriptures seriously, God. 
we know that this burdens your heart and that you have given a solution to worldwide poverty, God. I pray that as we think about what it means to give and tithe and serve, Lord, help us not to steal that honor and attention from you, God, but help us to recognize that this is an overflow of our heart because it's what's on your heart. God, I pray for my friends today that you would permeate their hearts with this message, one that is so clearly repeated so often in the scriptures because you do care about the poor. God, I thank you for that. I thank you for the the times in my own life where I have been living in poverty and you have sent people to alleviate that suffering. You have sent people with food and groceries and, and heating bills and gas cards and the things that you've done to take care of our family in moments when, when we have been in those situations. God, I, I pray that, my goodness, we don't want anybody to go through those seasons of their lives, but I pray that if they are, they would recognize that you have given your heart to your people to minister to those that are walking through those seasons. God, I thank you for the way that you reveal yourself to us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, friends, we'll talk tomorrow. Hey, friends, before you go, I want to make sure you know about our Patreon page. The Patreon page is really a place to gain all sorts of resources specifically for the Hearing Jesus podcast and the Hearing Jesus for Kids podcast. There's a specific and dedicated private Facebook group, which is a place for me to interact with you, to pray with you, to answer questions. I'd love it for you to join us there. And there's also another level that gives you the inside scoop on everything else that's going on. The journaling prompts are there. If you've been with us for some time, you know that I usually do journaling prompts that helps us get that information from the head to the heart. We have a downloadable daily prayer prompt that helps you get that information processed in a way that it affects your daily life. There's also a Bible reading tracker on there. There's bonus episodes, lots of things on an ongoing basis, a place where you can get all the resources to help you grow in your faith. And the second thing I want to mention to you is the Dawn app, which if you've never heard of that before, I have good news for you. I just recently recorded a series for the Dawn app and also did some writing for them. And it's a daily Bible study and prayer app that is completely free. The link for that is in the show notes. And then the last thing I'm super excited about, I want to tell you that we're going to start having opportunities for travel. This is going to look a couple different ways, depending on what you're looking for, but it's going to cover things like mission trips in-person retreats, and also eventually a Bible study trip to Rome. What I'm doing right now is I'm getting everybody's contact information so we can start communicating about what that might look like. So if you are interested in any of that, you can head to shehears.org for more information. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you in your walk with God, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, bonus content, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Know that you are so loved. Keep going.